sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's been the biggest surprise of the NBA playoffs thus far. The Miami Heat going up 3-0 on the Milwaukee Bucks only to find themselves now potentially headed to a game six if they can't close and shut the door on the Bucks tonight. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. We'll break it all down for you. Of course, we got fantasy football starting up this Thursday. We're going to take a look in this hour at what you should be doing if you own the 10th overall pick in your fantasy football draft. But, Joe, we're coming off the Labor Day weekend, coming off some great NBA Major League Baseball, and uh, coming up pretty soon, we're going to have not just college football, which we had last night, but we're going to have pro football coming up this Thursday. Yeah, absolutely, and that is really exciting. And we saw some a lot of well, not some a lot of movement in terms of some players too this weekend. Saw Davion Clowney signing with uh, a huge boost to Ben which is already a pretty good defense, and that unit played very well at the end of last year. One-year deal for him. That's very exciting, I think, for the Titans fans. Defense is good. You know, I really performances. Then sometimes the knock on him is, you know, maybe he doesn't quite perform as he should on every single down. But I will say this. Uh, the Titans are going to be a real force this year. I really think so. I, I don't think last year was a fluke. I believe in that coaching, and uh, it's something to keep an eye on as you're not only assembling your fantasy teams, but also making your investments this year on FanDuel as well. I don't think that Titans run was uh, going to be a one-hit wonder. We'll see what happens, but that's just the feeling I have. All right, let's take a look at the headlines for today. September the 8th, 2020, we'll start off in the NBA, where the Miami Heat trying to close out their series against the Bucks. It looked like a foregone conclusion. You know what happens in the NBA? Usually teams go up 3 nothing and then win game four and close it out. When you let the door open a little bit, sometimes teams storm back in there. Will that be the case tonight for Milwaukee against Miami? They left a little door open. Can the Bucs take advantage? The Lakers, meanwhile, are five-point favorites tonight against the Houston Rockets. Very entertaining series. Could go back and forth, I think, right to the end on this one. How about the Astros? They don't have Altuve, but they are getting Alex Bregman back in their lineup today for the Astros. Bregman, about an hour ago, tweeted that it was game day, so that's good news for them, certainly. Uh, Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints, according to multiple reports this morning, looks like he's closing on a new deal with the New Orleans Saints to stay there for potentially the rest of his career and the rest of his fantasy career. I would think that that is the case. Uh, what are the Raiders going to do at backup quarterback? They traded Lynn Bowden over the weekend. I thought he was a great pick for them. Could have played a little quarterback, little receiver. They traded him to Miami for a later pick than what they drafted him for. Very bizarre. And now Marcus Mariota is going on IR. So Raiders going to be in a quarterback derby, I think, for 2021. No question about that. And then uh, some other reports this morning with Adrian Peterson signing with the Lions over the weekend. He was ignored in a lot of fantasy drafts, and for good reason. But his carry-on Johnson is there, and so is DeAndre Swift. But there's a report saying that Peterson could end up starting at running back for the Lions this weekend. And Joe, when Matt Patricia reached out to Adrian Peterson and said, sign here, the question that we have to be asking ourselves is, should we be involved in that conversation? Because the fact that we're not, we don't know what was said. We don't know what was discussed. And if they discuss Peterson having a big role in the Lions offense, that certainly would change a lot of the opinions on carry on Johnson with less than 48 hours to go until the season opens up. 
I think the opinions on Carry On Johnson are already pretty much on the negative side either. I just think this muddies the waters for all those people who wanted to make DeAndre Swift happen a little sooner. And that's my concern here. This is becoming a very muddy situation, which I tend not to look at. And I tend to avoid if I can, which is why I like to attack the running back position early and often and not have to worry about these scenarios unless they're bonus and flex plays and things like that. It, it, if you're Adrian Peterson, you don't have a lot of time left to play. I think you recognize that. So you would imagine the Lions were the best opportunity for him to get some snaps and play. And if that's the case, then on Johnson might be more of that, I don't want to say change of pace guy, but maybe not the guy at the goal line. Maybe the guy that is just going to catch the football and do something like that. And AP might be that primary first down, second down kind of guy. And if they're going to go with that as Swift continues to get healthy, Oh, that's going to be a wrench for everybody. And I don't think it's going to be a good one for all. Look, in deeper leagues, you're in a 14-team league. You take a shot on Adrian Peterson. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. He's not that removed from a 1,000-yard season just a couple years ago. But I will say this. That is the more bizarre things that have happened here. And I I don't default Washington at all for making the decision that they made to continue to move on with the youth movement. But this definitely makes the Lions running back situation a little bit more difficult to comprehend. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, also, a couple of quick notes from the uh, NFL. DeAndre Hopkins ends up signing a two-year uh, contract extension with the Arizona Cardinals, and certainly Hopkins, we don't know what he'll look like in two years from now. He could be a star. He could be toward the end of his career, but they do get that done. Uh, also, uh, Bruce Arians, in his press conference about 30 minutes ago, said that Leonard Fournette will have a, quote, solid role in week one against the Saints, but then went on to say that he can't do everything in week one and will be a situational player, uh, goal line carries. And uh, and look, it's a, it's another complicated situation in Tampa Bay for sure, so we'll have to see there. Uh, in baseball, a little bit of a surprise, Dylan Carlson was optioned to the alternate site by the Cardinals to make room for Carlos Martinez. The Cardinals have to play a ton of doubleheaders coming mm-hmm. up, and so they needed more starters. Carlos Martinez is definitely one of those. We mentioned earlier in the show, in case you missed it, Max Freed placed on the 10-day injured list by the Braves. And the Rays have activated Ryan Yarbrough, who's been so good for them as well. Uh, also, one other note, Joe, uh, last night, in case you missed it, the Padres had Eric Hosmer uh, bunting in a very strange situation and ended up uh, getting hit and having a fractured index finger. And, of course, they don't have a lot of great options there to back up him at first base, but there's a chance that he can miss the rest of the regular season for the Padres. So a lot of injuries, a lot of news and notes from both baseball and football today. Yeah, well, okay, well, that Mitch Moreland acquisition all of a sudden becomes very important, uh, that's for sure. So you need uh, Mitch Moreland out there, probably going to see some first base time. Uh, And, yeah, hey, looking at this right now, if you're the Padres, you just need to be good despite all the injuries. Coming up next, if you have the 10th pick in your fantasy football draft tonight, or tomorrow, we're going to go pick by pick and show you exactly who to take. Take all the work out for you. Don't even have to do anything except for stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you have a fantasy football draft today or tomorrow, you're one of the smart ones because as we're getting a lot more information uh, on the 2020 NFL season, certainly some things have changed. Uh, Maybe potentially new starting running back in Jacksonville. 
potentially is Adrian Peterson, the new starter in Detroit. It has changed the dynamic of the way we play fantasy football, not having a preseason and essentially not knowing what's going on in training camp as well. Both of my drafts, Joe, are officially in the books. I am done for 2020. I've avoided any distractions of doing uh, any extra fantasy football drafts. And so for me, it's one dynasty league and two redraft leagues, and that is basically it. And uh, unfortunately, I have not had the pleasure of drafting later in the first round, but I think that there are some people out there that are going to have to make that decision today or tomorrow, so certainly this exercise will help them. Yeah, and we jump from the 8 spot just to 10 because I know a lot of people play in 10-team leagues, and to be honest, 8 and 9 really didn't make too much of a difference. The approach is the same. You double up on those running backs if you can, and it makes sense. But I thought it would be fun to take what it would look like if you doubled up at wide receiver instead, and this is a very viable strategy here because in terms of relative position value, what we're always trying to do is make sure that we can be great somewhere. It's about building core strength. So what if you took the other approach? And at the turn, doubled up on two of the top three wide receivers in football. And as you can see, it's a very interesting outcome. So when we have this, we start here with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones at the 10 spot. And then at the potential turn, team league, even a team team, uh, 12 team league, you can make this work. Um, taking those two guys, that gives you not only a huge weekly floor, but a huge weekly ceiling at the wide receiver spot. You are going to be better than almost everybody at wide receiver one, and you are going to be markedly better than everybody at wide receiver two. So if you are consistently outproducing your peers in your league at those spots, you have a relative position value advantage. That's black book 101 kind of stuff. And then we have some really good news today from Mike Tomlin, which was, hey, James Conner is without doubt our bell cow running back. That is music to my ears. They have a lot of guys in that backfield. So here's what you have to do if you go back-to-back wide receiver, is you start to have to take shots at running back. And there's going to be some risk here, but there's also going to be more you want to do is make sure you get lots of bodies, and that way you mitigate your risk. A little. Taking James here in the third round, that's a guy that you feel pretty good about. You saw two years ago what he's capable of. Is he capable of games? We don't know the answer to that. We'll see what happens in 2020. Chris Carson, last year, attack there and say, like to get a ton or some issues, health issues. Perfect. No, is that a guy you think he's good season with and feel pretty good about? I think the answer is yes. Then, of course, Hunt, because I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for a guy last year who looked like, basically, when he's on the field, one of the best players on that team, if not the best at times. And I have high expectations for Kareem Hunt with Kevin Stefanski in this new offense. Chubb's still going to be fantastic, but I still think Kareem Hunt is going to be used a ton in that offense, and that is a good thing for Baker Mayfield and company. So what you have here, the two big-time wide receivers followed by three straight running backs, and I think that's the approach. You're not going to have the elite running back, so you have to make up for it with volume. You have to make up for it what kind of offense they're playing in, usage, and also whatever the scoring system is. And I think all three guys running back can all be to conversation and that's going to be good enough. You know why? Because you have such great productivity from that wide receiver one and wide receiver two spot, respectively, on your roster. Yeah. The the only uh, you know the hole that I would see here is is clearly um, a lot of injury concern with uh, picks one to five would be would be mine. But uh, look, then you know later on it looks like there are some players that don't have injury concerns as well. But this is certainly a very a risky team, I would say, here, too. I mean, Julio Jones has been healthy every year, but it looks like he's getting hurt on every play. Adams has missed time. Connor has missed time. Carson has missed time. Uh, 
high risk, high reward. I mean, that's the way to play in fantasy in 2020. And let's take a look at picks six through 10, where Leonard Fournette ends up going in the sixth round. Of course, we've been talking about him quite a bit with the Buccaneers, Matt Ryan in the seventh. Hurst, so you have that quarterback tight end combo there. Christian Kirk seems to be going too late in drafts for me. I mean, what happens if just something goes wrong for any of these potential options at wide receiver? Larry Fitzgerald's still there, but who really knows? Isabella, is he any good? Hopkins, who knows? Really, new team. Kirk's been pretty solid for them, and I think he's going to win a week or two. And then Jerry Judy has some upside there as well. And so, Joe, I guess the strategy here was simply put, stack up the running backs, roll the dice, hope that a couple of these guys hit. If they don't, um, then, you know, if a couple don't, you still are going to be okay because at the end you roll the dice on some wide receivers. So essentially it's like, I would say, potpourri of flexions and, the, and throwing some darts and hoping that somebody hits. But this is a unique draft among some of the other ones because as you can see here, Joe, I mean, three rookie wide receivers essentially taken and another rookie or two taken late in terms of running back as well. So uh, lots of rookies here on this roster. Yeah, this is your rookie Bobby team. This is if it's your last. That's basically what yeah. this is. And I think that um, the value you get on Fournette uh, falling as far as he did here in this particular one, that's just too far. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. If you're going to give me Leonard Fournette in the sixth round, I'll get to take it every single time because the upside is there and the opportunity is probably going to be there. And he might even have the looks to start in week one, we're already hearing. And that is huge. Is he going to have opportunities for touchdowns in this offense? Absolutely. Tom Brady's going to throw the ball over the place. And if they're close by the, the goal line, they're not going to be handing the ball to Ronald Jones. They'll be handing it to Leonard Fournette. And it's a very different Leonard Fournette that you might get this year as opposed to last year. But in terms of fantasy points, you're not going to get the opportunity and the volume. You're probably not going to get nearly the amount of receptions, but are you going to get more touchdowns? And will that all start to even itself out? And I think the question inevitably is going to be yes, as he gets more and more comfortable with this offense. Now, if you're going to go four straight running backs there with those four guys, I think at least two of them will be viable. And you're not wrong. There's a ton of injury risk there with those guys. There's no doubt about that. So I'm going to make sure that I get a really steady quarterback in there with Matt. And yes, I'm also Julio because it's been a very good combination, and I like doing that sometimes. You want to get a, a quarterback and an offense that's throwing a ton to the wide receiver who's clearly the one. And Hayden Hurst is another guy, too, to throw in there also, because although Julio has huge upside for big yardage total games, you're also looking for another red zone target. And Austin Hooper, as a tight end last year, and even the year before, proved to be very steady in that regard. And I think they're going to be looking for somebody to step into that void. So even if Hayden Hurst game. I think he's going to get some red looks, and that's going to make him very viable. One of the few rosters we've had, uh, kind of that middling tight end there, and uh, you saw with uh, the last draft we did, and here too, and that's because of where we're drafting as we get towards the bottom here of a draft, where the tight end value goes in terms of ADP. It's a little different in terms of the names you're starting to see. And I'm with you on Christian Kirk. This is a guy that had a lot of targets last year. DeAndre Hopkins being there, Yes, he is going to clearly be the number one target. However, it doesn't mean that Christian now in single coverage isn't going to be useful some games. And at full point PPR, I think that surprised some people. I really do. This is his third year in the NFL. He bodes well. I'm going to take a shot with Jerry Judy just based on the talent, but not just Judy. I'm going to take shots with all these rookie guys, Jalen Rhaegar, Michael Pittman. And look, hopefully at some point in time, one of these guys hits. If they don't, that's okay. I also took a shot in the same draft with uh, Kelly over there, the running back uh, with the Chargers, and as well as John New Smith just to back up the tight end position if Hayden Hurst does her at all. But 
this is definitely a first or last strategy. This is definitely the kind of strategy I go into saying, okay, I got a lot of money in this one. This is the value on the board. I'm going to take it. Uh, because if you don't love what running back is when it makes it down to you in the 10th spot, if you're not in love with those guys, then why would you pass on a premium talent like Julio Jones or Devontae Adams or those caliber players? And I think that is a viable pivot. But you have to understand then running back is going to be a bit of management. It's going to be about building depth. And it's going to be about hopefully somebody staying healthy enough to be your RB1. And if not, at least you're getting enough productivity to have a collection of RB2s. And that's what I'm kind of going for with this roster. So it's a little bit more risk than most people want to take on. But in terms of viability, I think when you have those two big-time wide receivers at the top, I think you know every week what you're looking for in terms of full-point PPR. And just one last note, this is not what you want to do in a standard league, okay? This is not the kind of draft I want to be doing. This is a full-point PPR-style approach only. All right, and uh, a couple other quick notes here for this roster in particular. As you saw, uh, Kareem Hunt ended up uh, on this one with the fifth-round fifth, uh, fifth round pick. And uh, Kareem Hunt, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, signed a two-year, $13 million extension with the Browns. So certainly he would have been a free agent after this year. This gives him another year in Cleveland to either mm. be the complimentary back to Nick Chubb or maybe even be the starter or back 1A with the Cleveland Browns. So uh, contracts extensions can never be a bad thing for a player. Uh, always take these with a grain of salt because, again, no money's ever guaranteed, essentially, in the NFL. You can't look at a $200 million contract or a $500 million contract. It's only the years that you play that you actually get paid in that signing bonus. But still, good sign for sure for Kareem Hunt to be signed as well by, uh, by the Cleveland Browns. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to take a look in 2020 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And uh, today on the show, we're going to give you our best bets on team totals for the over. And tomorrow, we'll come back on the show and give you our best bets on the under. So uh, I have two picked out, and that's really all you should be betting. You shouldn't be betting on 20 totals in the NFL. You're not going to win them all. Pick a couple, win a couple, be happy with that, and stop. And then Joe is going to have a couple uh, overs as well. So we'll do that coming up in about two minutes here on the show. Then we've got some fantasy or reality. We're going to touch on the quarterback situation with the Chicago Bears. How long will Mitch Trubisky end up staying with them? And also, did we put our money where our mouth is in fantasy football? And did we get the same player in every draft we participated in this year? Meaning, do we have the same players on all of our teams? I would hope that we would have one or two of those but you never know how drafts are going to go in fantasy football season. We'll be back with more. Stay on the grid. This is Sports Grid. Craig Mission, Joe Pizapia. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Craig Mitch, Joe Pizapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock on the East. And we'll be right back here tomorrow getting you ready for the 2020 NFL season. Also recapping some Major League Baseball and NBA as well. And one of the fun things to do this time of year is certainly to make projections and to decide if any of those projections actually include money. And for the season coming up, it's always fun to look at the season win totals. And uh, for me, Joe, through the years, it's been a, a very tough exercise. I thought last year was maybe my best pick of all time 
one of the most amounts of money I've ever put on a on an NFL. Not base baseball, I'll put a lot, but in the NFL, I usually don't get too crazy because there's a lot of variance. And I could not have felt better about my season win total on the Miami Dolphins last year. It was four and a half all over the board. We had an option, me and a partner, we went in, put a lot of money in on a five because one of the books had it at five at minus 140. I was very reluctant to even do that because I was so sure that the Miami Dolphins were going to go under four and a half. So sure to the point where Miami goes into the last week of the NFL season, they take on the Patriots. We have a chance to hedge and basically take Miami on the money line and make all of our money back and then some and said, ah, you know what? No way the Patriots lose this game to Miami in the last game of the season. Miami's going under that five. We're winning that money. And it didn't happen. So in wagering, in gambling, in life, there is no sure thing. There is no black and white. But what I've tried to do on this show in particular is come up with two of my favorite totals in the NFL. Going through them all is a fun exercise to discuss, and it's fun for content. But at giving advice, wagering on sports, and making 10 or 15 bets in a day is uh, more of a compulsion than it is a hobby. I would not advise it. Have fun. Make bets. Do it on FanDuel. But be responsible with it. And as opposed to taking, you know, let, let's say you like a lot of win totals in the NFL, and you want to bet on 10 of them. And let's say you want to bet $100 a piece. $1,000. Instead of that $1,000 on those 10, take two and put $500 a piece. If you feel so strongly about those two, you have a much better chance of winning, and you don't even have to pay all the juice. You have to pay minus 110 or minus 120 on every bet you make, no matter what. That's always my advice. So, Joe, that's where I'll start off with here. And, and of course, I want to go through these with you. And, uh, and let's start off with my favorite one of the 2020 uh, NFL season, honestly which is uh, the Detroit Lions on the over. Now, I know this looks ugly, folks. It looks really ugly. In fact, if you ask 10 people who follow football and say Detroit Lions, seven wins, over or under, you're going to get nine out of 10. That's going to say under. And that's why I love this bet. That's part of it. You got to go against the grain. They're going to build hotels on people who don't understand how betting works. <laughs> that's how it works. The Lions last year were the number one offense in the NFC through the first eight games of the season, and then Matt Stafford got hurt. They also had a lead. They had a lead in their first 11 games of last year. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even saying that they're going to win 10 games. But there are some times that luck is a huge factor, and the Lions last year were the unluckiest team in the NFL by far. You don't have leads in 11 games and blow eight of them like that. Some of them you win, some of them you lose. And dare I say, when you have leads in 11 games, you're more likely to win than lose. And they did not. Joe, I believe the Lions may touch the playoffs this year, but even if they don't, it, it's a pick that looks so disgustingly bad on paper, and I love it. I love being a contrarian. I love going against the grain. And I'm going to pick the Lions to win eight or nine games this year and go above their seven. And you can even find six and a half in some spots. I don't know if my opinion is going to make you feel better or worse about this because I like this too. I'm with you. I actually look last year. I took a lot of abuse, even from you. When I'd say, man, those those Lions are really playing tough. And then they it's not even that they lost the games. It's the fashion in which they lost some of those games. Like that game in Kansas with the fumble or not fumble on the goal line that they ended up running back all the way. They were back-breaking, bone-crunching, horrible losses that the Lions would take on some of the calls, plays, fluky things. And then, of course, the back-breaker 
was the back of Matthew Stafford when he got hurt. And then that was it. But for at least the first half of the season, too, this was a team that was right there with those other squads. And I think the other reason that I like this number as well is also my lack of uh, confidence, if you will, in the Chicago Bears. I think that is a team that is going south and going south fast. And if you believe that, that means there's some wins to be had here for teams like the Lions. And I, I actually like this one as well. I think the Lions are going to be tough yet again. Uh, and look, they might even run the football a little bit more than we anticipated to. Now they've added a third running back who is viable and capable, and Adrian Peterson at this point. Is he what he was? No, of course not. But can he be useful in a mix with those other two guys, potentially, as the season goes on? The answer is probably yes to that. Yeah, I'm not even a big personnel guy when it comes to this stuff. But but I would say this. Most people, if you ask them about the NFL this year, and you said Lions, good or bad team, under they probably most would say under center, uh, under seven. And then if you followed up that question and said, do you think the Packers are going to win more or less games this year? You would say less. Do you think the Vikings are going to win more or less? They may say ah, the same. Some would say less. And most would agree with you on the Bears. So if that and two of the three teams in their own division, you would predict to win less games, that's going to lead to more wins for someone in that division, and if it is the Lions, and that gets them two extra wins, they only need two more to get to eight. So I'm just in on this one this year. Uh, Joe, do you have any in particular that you like on the over? Yeah, uh, look, this was this was a little tougher. Uh, I'll start with mine here, which is Green Bay, which uh, honestly, I mean, you look at what they did last year, and they played defense, which is something that Green Bay hadn't done very well in a while. They won 13 games last year, 13. Three, a secondary wide receiver to speak of. And without nearly the same fire, I think, maybe under Aaron Rodgers this year. They they drafted a young quarterback here with Jordan Love. And I think that might have lit a little bit of a fire under the old man. And I think that's a good thing. And I am also concerned with Minnesota because Dalvin Cook is always an injury risk. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I do think the Bears are going to be an absolute train wreck this year. But I think the Packers right now, they're only at nine wins. They won 13. So you're telling me year over year, they got four wins worse. I don't see how that's the case. And at plus 120, it seems like a pretty decent wager there to me that all of a sudden the Packers basically just have to be who they were last year in order to return that investment. And like I said, defensively, they pretty much are. They still have Aaron Jones there. They still have some depth. In fact, they drafted some depth at the running back position too, which is a good thing. They think they needed that on their roster. And if somebody like Lazard or MVS steps up into that void and finally become a secondary weaver, then all of a sudden, I think they've got something here in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think the number is right for me. I don't love it. I love the fact that you'd get plus 120, and I think that that's important anytime you're making a that's bet, you can get plus money. Uh, statistically speaking, they were the worst 13-win team of all time. But even if they were to take a step back from that and lose uh, two more games than they, than they won last year, that's still 11 wins. And, and even if they got three less, it's still 10. And if, in a worst-case right. scenario, I would agree. I don't see them worse than nine. And then you just get your money back on that. So um, I can buy that for sure. Uh, let me give you one more, and I'll leave you with this. I've got the over on the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2020. Their number is nine. And that does seem a little bit low to me. And, and I understand why the number is nine. And it's one reason and one reason only. It's Ben Roethlisberger. And if I told you that Ben Roethlisberger played in 16 games, this, there's no way this total would be nine. It'd be nine and a half or ten. 
But that's where FanDuel is baking in the number here to an injury to Roethlisberger and sort of hedging themselves, and it's the smart way to go. Uh, Roethlisberger has basically, for the most part, played most of the games that he's played over the course of his NFL career. It looks like he's going to be hurt for the year, but he always comes back in and plays. Last year was an exception to the rule for sure. And by the way, he didn't look great in the time that he played last year for the Steelers as well. But I do think that he stays healthy. Honestly, why do I say that? It's a guess. Of course, it's a guess that Roethlisberger is healthy. And I'm not going to say it any other way around it. I am guessing that he will. I don't love this one as much as Detroit. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers showed last year that even without a quarterback, they were a 500 team with one. To me, they're an 11 or 12 team. So I'm going to go over on nine. Yeah, this is my favorite one on the board. Uh, I am right there with you. This is the one I was so excited. I said, hey, we're doing the second. We have the same one. I'll try to pick something else. But I just love the Steelers. They were 8-8 eight eight last year. The worst quarterback I have ever seen in the National Football League. Ever. And that's not hyperbole. That's just fact. And now you're taking that same defense with Roethlisberger back there, Connor in a contract year, more depth at the running back position than they ever had before. These are all really good things. And you know what? I want to give Big Ben a pass, too. You said he didn't play well to start the year. Well, one of those games was against New England in New England, which turned out to be historically great defense for the first 12 weeks of the season last year, where they were on pace with five bears, basically. So you, you can give him a little bit of a pass on that one, plus the health. I don't see how they don't contend with the Ravens for this division this year. And that's not a hot take. I just think that is the focus right now. The defense is back in Pittsburgh. That is huge. And Ben Roethlisberger is back too. And those two things, that combination, this is a double-digit win team in my opinion. And uh, I think you're right. Nine is all about that Ben Roethlisberger playing 16 games. All right. And uh, Joe, let's cap it off with one more for you. This one has a little bit of risk in it, but I'm looking at this division. I think this division's bad, and I understand it's a really high number, but it's the cheap. And their win total year is 11.5. I think that that is a very high number, deservedly so. But I'm looking at the rest of this division. I'm looking at the Broncos. I'm looking at the Raiders. I'm looking at the Chargers. These are not great teams. Are you telling me they're not going to pound on these divisions? And I understand the rest of the strength is interesting, but favors going into opening night against Texans team that was in the playoffs here. I'm looking at this team with Clyde Edwards and Lair Craig. I'm looking at the defense that played much better at the second end of the season. I think the, the the defense is more opportunistic than it ever was before. You start to see them make some turnovers happen too, a little bit more aggressive. Some of the young kids really started to step up as the time went on. Ward had a good season at cornerback after a rough start. I think this Chiefs team could very well win 14 games easily, maybe even 13 or 12 and 13 is still going to be over half. Again, it's a little bit of risk, but at the same time, Craig, the Chiefs are that good, and I think that division's that bad, and that's kind of where I came to that conclusion. Yeah, and look, it's a fair conclusion to make, and again, if if this is the team on paper that plays like it, they're going to win maybe 16 games or maybe 15. <laughs> it's just for me, I don't get involved in the low and the high uh, in the NFL. There's just too much variance there for one player to be in or one player out. And uh, But I, I agree with you on paper. They look like they certainly could win a lot more than 11 and a half games. I just don't mess with the teams that have the high totals and the low. I like Fair to enough. search uh, for the middle. Uh, okay, fantasy reality is uh, coming up next. So we're going to go through your fantasy football drafts and also touch on the Chicago Bears starting quarterback situation. So stay on the grid. We're back after it. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid until 2 o'clock on the East. Thanks for making our show part of your day. Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow as we get ready for the 2020 NFL season. Can't wait for that to happen. Of course, uh, Joe, uh, college is underway as well. And uh, and a lot of blowouts we've seen thus far in the early part of the season. Now, again, we've only had four games. Usually there's 40 <laughs> by now. Uh, but the uh, Naval Academy uh, didn't exactly put on the best showing against BYU last night. BYU looks like a pretty good team going into the season. Uh, but on the flip side, Army did pretty well. And so uh, college football really will get started with the Atlantic Coast Conference starting on the 12th. We've got the SEC coming up on the 26th. And now we're getting some reports, Joseph, this morning that the Big Ten is really considering uh, walking back their comments about not playing this year. The question is, Joe, can college football kids and players get ready in one month? Because in order to get their season in, they would have to start in October. So we'll keep an eye on the Big Ten. Maybe they have a spring season, a winter season, or... Maybe even a fall season at this point. I'm not really sure which way it's going to go. I guess the key word is season, right? That's what you're looking for. Just have a season. We'll, we'll take it whenever we can get it. We know the college football playoffs are going to be wacky for sure, uh, without a doubt. But uh, just getting the kids there healthy. I don't know. I, I would think a month is enough time to prepare these teams, don't you think? Is four weeks enough time? Or you think that's not enough at the college football level for people to get ready? Well, they've stopped, so there's really no reason to to start on time at this point. But I, I don't know if the point would be for them to get involved in the playoff and being part mm-hmm. of that equation. If they were just playing conference games, it would seem to me that they could be allowed. Because think about this, Joe. If the SEC is starting on the 26th, October is only one week past that. So if they essentially decided, hey, right now we got to get ready, I do think that they could pull it off. But time is ticking for them and the the, uh, the Pac-12 as well if they decided to play. But very clearly it does appear the Big Ten did jump the gun in terms of canceling their season. They may have waited a little bit longer to see what happened because, as we've seen, college football can be played. I, I know that the games weren't monster games that was played Saturday and played uh, Monday between BYU and Navy last night, but you, they, those games can be played. There, there's a lot of risk involved. There's no doubt about that, but maybe they should have discussed it a little bit more before canceling their season. Um, I don't know if that was the right call there. Okay, well, fantasy football draft season comes to an end, I think for most people officially tomorrow. So let's get this one in while we can. I know Joe has one more draft tonight, but here we go. Fantasy or reality for our show today as we close it out. You got one specific player in every fantasy football draft you did, Joe. Is that fantasy or reality thus far? One guy is on every single one of your teams. No, close. It's it's a fantasy every single one because I got sniped in one of them. But Kareem Hunt is everywhere. He's everywhere. And uh, you know what? I love the sound of this extension. And and you make a good point. Yes, it's the NFL. So, of course, you know, you take the extensions with a grain of salt. People clearly have non-guaranteed money. But I think this tells you that they have a plan in place for Kareem Hunt along with Nick Chubb. And I think this plan is going to really be difficult on teams like the Ravens and the Steelers, and they're going to have a hard time playing this team because Chubb and Kareem Hunt are a lot to deal with as a tandem. 
And I think this can be fascinating to see. And then if Baker Mayfield can utilize these two backs properly in this new system, work a lot of play action, all of a sudden free up guys like Odell and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper, maybe we see a more mistake-free or a less mistake-prone version of Baker Mayfield. And if then he just the Browns are the pesky team that people thought they were going to get last year, playing some defense, running the football, and maybe they are really good. This win, don't know. But in terms of fantasy points, I think the Browns are a place you can actually go and find some fantasy points. And like I said, it's really close, but that was the one I missed out on. But it's it's tough for me because I'm in over a dozen leagues this year. I got two drafts today. I got the pros versus Joe's fantasy one this afternoon. That's for charity. And then I've got a late draft tonight. But Kareem Hunt is the guy that I came closest to having as many shares as possible of. How about you in your two drafts? Did you get some of the same players in those drafts? I did. Not very many, but I did get the same. I got uh, Alexander Madison in both drafts, and mm-hmm. I got Nicole Hardman on Kansas City in both drafts. Those are the two main ones. There, there may have been another one, but those are the two that really come to mind. Because the way that I looked at those players, Joe, is that they could be completely irrelevant in 2020 or they could win me the league. And I'm all about luck in fantasy. (laughs) And so for me, I'll take that shot. Uh, Madison was a very late pick in one draft and earlier in another. So Mm. I'll just hope for the best, see what happens. Neither of them will factor in right away. No, but look, the one thing you could take a look at Madison is he had 100 carries last year. But he backup running back at 100 carries last year. So you have a pretty good idea, not only that he has a knowledge of the offense, but also a pretty good idea he can handle a certain amount of workload. So that's a good combination of things when I'm looking for secondary backs. And as we are in the COVID pandemic era of sports, who's to say he doesn't get an opportunity at some point, even from that, even without a realistic injury to Alvin Cook or somebody else ahead of him. So I think Madison's actually one of those more intriguing ones. And Michael Hart is a phenomenal talent. I'm a huge fan of him. I just wonder where he is, and I worry where he is in the pecking order. There's so many other mouths to feed, and if everybody thinks that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to just run away with this and be so great and just be a fantasy monster, then that's going to hurt everybody else around the board. It's going to look more like the team that it was when it was just pretty much Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt a couple years ago than it does look like, oh, it's Tyreek Hill, oh, it's Kelsey, oh, it's this guy, it's this guy, it's this whole collab. Uh, the one good thing he has in his favor is he does play with Sammy Watkins, who has trouble staying on the field. So could actually tend well to Nicole Harden getting some more targets as the year goes on. Yeah, and, and I'm strictly looking at an injury. That's that's the whole right. – I mean, you hate to hope for that, but that that is clearly the whole Well, but they worked him in last year on some gadget plays too. You you saw that. Like they would work him in you know, three or four times a game. and you know they, They're trying to get the football in his hands, and I think that is what's really important because Mikko Hartman's that kind of breakaway talent in terms of game-changing you know speed. But I don't know how you're going to be able to do that now that they have a more sustained running back in, in theory with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think last year – it, things were open enough to do that kind of stuff. I don't know if those gadget plays come back necessarily in 2020. All right, let's move on to question two, fantasy or reality. The Chicago Bears clearly are the one very unsettled quarterbacking situation going into the season. Mitchell Trubisky is the starter again going into the year. The question will be how long can he or will he keep the job? Fantasy or reality, Mitch Trubisky, Joe, will be the Bears starting quarterback in week five. So essentially... A couple of things would have to happen here. First of all, Trubisky would have to fail. Nick Foles would have to come in and actually play well, which he did not do last year. So uh, four weeks of of Trubisky, can he last to week five? Is that fantasy or reality? I think it's fantasy. I don't think he can last. I'll take it a step further. I think it's a that Matt 
that Nagy might not to week five. I I don't like the way things are shaping up for this Bears team. I really don't. And it's sad because this is one of our storied NFL franchises, and they've taken a lot of abuse for moving up to take Trubisky, and I think they are doing the right thing by putting him out there because everybody knows what Nick Foles is at this point in his career, okay? And, and Nick Foles has been a lot more mediocre than he's been great. He had a great magical run, got the Super Bowl ring. It's awesome. I'm very excited for him, but I'm not for him him in this offense side. I don't think either of these guys are going to change their tail. And I hope I'm wrong. Let me preface this. I hope I'm wrong and Trubisky does right the ship. Become the franchise quarterback that the Bears moved up all that draft take ahead of Watson Mahomes. Guys that look like are those quarterbacks for the next decade plus for those respective teams. But it just doesn't feel that way. And it just feels like Trubisky is basically on his way out. And it looks like Matt Nagy is going to be on his way out. It looks like this whole Bears regime is going to be on their way out. And I just don't think he's going to get five straight weeks going through his quarterback. Something's going to happen in between there. Somebody's going to pull the trigger on something. There's going to be panic because, let's face it, that's where the Bears are. They're in panic mode right now this season in 2020. It reeks of panic mode. And the David Montgomery injury did not hurt things, uh, did not help uh, things as well. So, Craig, what about you? What do you think? Fantasy reality, Mr. Trubisky will be the Bears starting quarterback come week five. Yeah, I think it's fantasy. I think the Bears will be better than than two or three wins. Like I don't think they'll be that bad. Their defense is going to keep them in some games, and they have a talented wide receiver there as well. And and look, with with Trubisky at quarterback the entire season last year, they did sort of scratch out seven, eight wins, and I think they're going to be around that number again this year. But that is a fantasy. I agree with you. I, I don't think that he'll make it through three games. I, I think that there's going to be a quick hook there for him. The schedule is not all that favorable at the beginning. And then you know what happens? It gets a little bit easier, and Foles could end up having some success with them, I think, as the season rolls on. But uh, it's very hard to to play quarterback as it is, and now Trubisky has to play constantly knowing that a couple of bad passes and he's out. I think that's going to end up happening. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think the Bears look like a disaster on paper, but even a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight season I think is going to be the undoing for most of their staff. And I think that's probably where they're going to end up being. I don't think they're 2-14. and 14. I don't think they're that bad. I think they'll win more games than that. But I will say fantasy. I think that Trubisky uh, will uh, will not make it you know, through Week 5. Well, if your Lions All are right, going to hit their number, I think 4-12 and 12 is where they've got to be somewhere in that range. Yeah, I would bet over on that. <laughs> I don't really? think they're going to okay. be that bad. Yeah, I mean their their season win total seven or eight. So I mean, you I mean I if, if that's the case, then that, then we'll talk about them more tomorrow <laughs> on the on the show tomorrow. <laughs> All right, uh, let, let's uh, cap it off here now. Uh, Joe, listen, I, I want to ask you not to ruin this for me here because I'm not done. But I did take the Cobra Kai challenge over the Labor Day oh. weekend, and uh, my wife and I did uh, almost make it through. We're almost through season one, so please do not uh, spoiler at me on season two. But I am fully aware that Elizabeth Shue has not been on the set of Cobra Kai. She has not been on the show. There have been clips of her, but she has not been on the show. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, fantasy or reality, with how popular the show has become since moving it from YouTube to Netflix, or at least giving Netflix access to the show, that they will bring Elizabeth Shue back for season three, fantasy or reality. Oh, it's definitely reality. They're absolutely going to bring her back, and it is going to be outstanding. I can't wait for this. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited for you because I know you're going to experience some really fun stuff here when you get into season two. You're going to leave season one ends, and I think you are going to see Elizabeth Shue. Plus, I mean, you know, Elizabeth Shue's been 
and some fun things. She seems to have a good kind of sense of humor about things are at. And I don't know how many other projects she's got in the pipeline. Hollywood is not as kind as it should be to some of the more mature actors of female note. So uh, I think it would be great to see. I would love to see her, even if it's just for one episode. I'm going to say reality. And after you answer this question, I want to know how far you got in Cobra Kai and what your thoughts are so far. Because to me, it is one of the most fun, guilty pleasure shows ever. You you laugh, but you kind of feel for the characters, too. It's it's this weird line where it's silly and it's fun, but at the same time, you're kind of emotionally invested. And I don't know if it's because of our youth being invested in the Karate Kid or what, but I find this weird kind of dichotomy going on between those two things. So, Fantasy Reality, do you think we get Elizabeth Shue? Yeah, I, I think that you broke it down very well there. Um, for Now, again, I haven't seen season two yet, but for Elizabeth Shue... To not be looking at this right now, seeing a missed opportunity for her, would be the understatement of the year. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would think that she, again, as you mentioned, I don't see now. Again, I don't know what her personal situation is, and and I don't remember her being in in a lot of things over the last few years. But this door is wide open for her to come back, and um, you know, financially speaking, I don't know how they would make it all work and what she would be asking for, and I'm guessing it could be more than the other two actors who are in the show, the primary actors. That's that's true. I, I think that she would probably have to get paid a little bit more than them, maybe even two. But those those two are the executive producer of the show, so they're doing well. Uh, but yeah, the moral mm-hmm. of the story is this. She's got to come back. Like She's got to look at this and say, this is a way for me to become super popular again, make some money again, and rekindle the past where she was a very popular uh, dramatic actress in Hollywood for almost a decade. So I'm going to say reality, Joe. I, I think that she's got to do it. I think it'll be for more than one episode. I think that she could be a primary role on uh, on the show in some way. And uh, I'm going to say reality. I'm right there with you. I think she's got to she's got to do it. <laughs> I don't think there's any questions. Are you enjoying so far? How many you've gotten in? You, you like where things are going? It's fun to see the other side, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just a good show in in general. I think it's it's uh, it's. It's a lot of fun. It's it's interesting. There's some comedy there. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, William Zapka, who is who is the primary, I feel like that the main star in this, um, yeah. has, has been really good, better than I thought for sure. Mm-hmm. And and it's a good story, and it feels like it's like a sort of '80s show. You know, this show along with Stranger Things feels like two shows that are just that are in my wheelhouse growing up in the '80s and in the '90s. And, and it has that style to it, and it's it's not too heavy. It's and it, but it's also not light to the point where you have to be engaged a little bit in it. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a very good show. You were right. There's no question. It's very good. And we'll finish off tonight, hopefully season one, and then move on to season two. Okay, coming up next, it's time for the Sports Grid 60. Joe and I will have one final opinion on anything going on in the world of sports. And then we will say so long to you for this Tuesday. So don't go away. More on Sports Grid coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, every day, noon to 2 Eastern on SportsGrid.com. Also, don't forget to check out our SportsGrid radio channel, Scott Wetzel, and the rest of the gang doing a great job over there as well. As always, we end the show with 
deep thought of some kind, and we will turn it over to Joe Pizapia as he closes out today's show with his version of the Sports Grid 60. Joe? I like this. Deep thoughts with Handy. Talk about Josh Rosen. Three years ago, there were a lot of NFL scouts who thought that he was the most NFL-ready of all the quarterbacks out there in that draft. This was a draft that gave us Baker Mayfield. It was a draft that gave us Lamar Jackson and a few other quarterbacks like Josh Allen as well. But just three years later, now Josh Rosen is only a practice squad quarterback now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe this will be the place he learns under Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and things turn around for him. But for a guy with all this swagger, for a guy who had all this pedigree, it is shocking to see in three years where Josh Rosen is now at. And it might not be all of his fault. He went from one tough situation to another tough situation after another. So maybe we will see Josh Rosen play in the NFL as a quarterback. Maybe not. But the journey so far has absolutely been one of the most bizarre ones I have ever seen for a young quarterback that had this much hype going into an NFL career. Yeah, and it just goes to show you, Joe, that even the NFL teams don't really know, um, you know, sometimes what they're doing, which leads me to uh, the fantasy analyst, which I myself am included, as well as my co-host Joe Pizapia, because in 2020, we have reached the all-time, I think, worst fantasy football perspective that we've ever had on a particular player in the history of fantasy football. And, uh, and that is Antonio Gibson of the uh, Washington football team. Uh, I watch college football all the time. I've never seen him play. I have not seen a single preseason game with him, nor have I seen a single rep in training camp. And yet I have seen people say that he is the sleeper of the year. He's going to be great. And he's going to be a star in the NFL. He may, he may end up doing all of those things. But the fact that somebody can say that to you tells me they have zero idea what they are talking about in fantasy football. If you want to flip a coin or you want to throw a dart or you want to make a bold prediction and say this guy is going to be a star, have at it. You have zero basis whatsoever to know that that will be true because there has been no evidence to suggest whatsoever that this player can even play in the NFL. If you want to take a shot, sure, say it. You know what else I think? I think Raheem Mostert's going to rush for 5,000 yards based on what? Nothing whatsoever, just because I'm saying it. Saying it and believing it are one thing. It actually happening based on facts is nowhere to be found with this particular player. So in 2020, we have reached peak fantasy football analyst because there is nothing to show whatsoever that Antonio Gibson can be that guy. And you know what? He may. He may, he may very well be that guy. But honestly, nobody has a clue with this player. So please, enough of it. Throw your dart, flip your coin, take your shot. That's all you got. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to everybody who watched. Thanks again to Brett. Thanks to Danny. And of course, thanks to Chris and Dan Strafford on the updates. Uh, for my co-host, Joe Pizapia, I'm Craig Mish. I hope you guys have a great Tuesday. We certainly will be back here for you guys tomorrow, helping you out and helping you win in fantasy football and updating you on the rest of the fantasy sports and wagering as well. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.